I haven't hidden the fact that I'm so passionate about uncovering what it is that is making us so overweight. On my journey, I'm speaking with experts who are going to help me link this obesity pandemic back to the stuff we fuel our bodies with, the food we're eating, our environment, and also what's going on emotionally, and see if we can link back causes that may be obscure or unknown. All I know is that I'm leaving no stone unturned as the most recent statistic to come out from the CDC states that one in four Americans are obese. One in 13 are considered severely obese. This is an us problem and we need to start paying attention. My very special guest today is Dr. Sean Talbot. He's a psychonutritionist who integrates nutrition, biochemistry, and psychology to help people feel, look, and perform better. As a scientist with his PhD in nutritional biochemistry uh, and entrepreneur, his recent projects include two academic textbooks, an award-winning documentary film, several best-selling books translated into multiple languages, and numerous top-selling nutraceuticals, that one was a tough one, and functional foods. Dr. Talbot is passionate, he knows what he's talking about, and he's here to help shed some light on what's really going on. When I asked him what his opinion was on the current global obesity pandemic the situation he responded with it's an epidemic that is killing killing people and yet its causes are completely misunderstood by most and i think he is absolutely right and it is our jobs as citizens of this earth to link the pieces together i hope you enjoy this episode thanks for being here Welcome to this sensational episode of Flip the Script. My very special guest today is Dr. Sean Talbot. He is a nutritional biochemist. So let's debunk and demystify the art of losing weight. Welcome to this episode, Dr. Sean. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I am so happy that you're here. I feel like if anyone has, I mean, either a glimpse into this, you know, crisis, this world of finding alignment and losing weight and healing from the inside out, it's you. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. So did you just wake up one morning and you were like, I'm going to be a nutritional biochemist. Um, (laughs) I could be a plumber. I could be a dentist, but that sounds fun. What's kind of the backstory? Can you set the scene for us in terms of how you chose this particular career path? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, so I guess before I started studying nutrition, um, I was I was more of like a fitness person. Uh, so I got a, I got a degree in uh, sports medicine and then I got a I got a master's degree in exercise science. So I was really studying like the, the fitness angle, right, trying to get athletes to be in really good shape. And what I realized 
um, after learning everything I could learn about the fitness side, like the training side, that nutrition was an even bigger piece of the puzzle. And mm-hmm. so that's when I decided to go and start studying more about uh, about nutrition and about nutritional biochemistry in, in, in particular, because like, you know, it, the fitness side is important. The nutrition side is important. But when you can put them together in the right combination for people, that's where the magic really happens. That's where, you know, a plan gains traction. And so if you're an athlete and you're in, improving your performance, that's one thing. If you're just, a, you know, everyday person that wants to have their best performance in every single way imaginable, whether you want to lose weight or you just want to get in shape, bringing both of those two pieces to the puzzle really, really makes the difference. Oh, I love that. What about, you know, there's all of these studies now and this research being done on our DNA. And of course, our DNA is like our very own unique fingerprint. So what the diet culture teaches us is that these diets are one size fits all, right? We all get on the bandwagon of we're only going to eat bacon for the next six months. And that's great. Right. right? Um, But from your perspective, is our metabolism as unique as our own DNA? And should we have a tailor-made plan that incorporates both fitness and nutrition for our body types? Yeah, I think one thing that 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 we're seeing the rise of right now is the, the is the rise of personalized nutrition, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know you 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 hit the nail right on the head right there. We're all we're all very very different in how we metabolize carbohydrates or metabolize fat or store fat or release fat. It's a, that's all a very very individualized situation. But what we're finding is that our our DNA is just one piece of that puzzle. A lot of what I study in my laboratory is the is the DNA of the bacteria bacteria in, in the gut, the microbiome, which seems to be even more differentiated person to person to person. So my DNA and your DNA, body DNA are actually fairly similar. There's not a lot of differentiation there. There's some, and you can learn, you can learn certain things about, you know, different, different metabolic pathways and things like that from our DNA, but you can learn even more from the DNA of the bacteria. So what we're trying to do in our lab is to try to figure out, okay, how can we bring those worlds together with a DNA analysis, like a saliva sample, a microbiome analysis, which unfortunately is a, is a fecal sample, a poop sample. Um, how can we bring that together with other things like psychology and, you know, motivation and goal setting and all that kind of stuff. So the more we can bring all of that together, the more personalized we can get and the more we can say to somebody, here's the plan that's going to help you get healthier. And here's a slightly different plan that's going to help you get healthier. Mm, I love it. What is the biggest myth or the biggest taboo in the diet culture that you've come across that frustrates you to your core where you're like, if people just knew that this is so wrong, they would be so much happier, more liberated. (laughs) I love the way you just asked that because you can probably visualize me sitting in front of my computer, just screaming at it because, (laughs) because so many people, and, and, and I love the term you used just a few minutes ago, diet culture, this Mm. idea that, you know, one size fits all, you know, this month it's the, it's the bacon diet. This Mm -hmm. next month, it's the cabbage soup diet. It's like all that nonsense, but the, Oh my gosh, the biggest, the biggest piece of nonsense that has been has really persisted for, for decades to this point is the, is the myth of calories in, calories out. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has been taught, um, it, even, even people who are, you know, nutrition professionals, so, you know, like, you know, dietitians and things like that. A lot of people are, have this belief that it's just a math problem. And if you could solve this math problem, then it, everything would be fine. And of course, it's not that because it, it, everyone's tried that. Everyone who's ever tried to lose weight has tried that. 
and it hasn't worked very well. And so I say to people all the time, you know, it's not a math problem, it's a signaling problem. And as a nutritional biochemist, the, like biochemistry is all about the signals that go across the body. You know, what are the appetite signals that are driving you to have cravings or be hungry for something? What are the signals that help you feel energetic or fatigued? What are the signals that make you feel motivated to exercise or motivated to sit on the couch? You know, those, it, it's a signaling problem. And if you can get the right signals, you can bring back your, your motivation. You can bring back your energy. You can bring back your ability to release fat versus store fat. And a lot mm -hmm. of those signals just happen to come from the gut. So, you know, a lot of my work these days is studying the gut brain axis. Yeah. The, 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 the gut brain chemistry that bridging the right. gap between the two. One of the things that, you know, frustrates me the most is exactly, you know, what you just said, that it's a signaling problem. I feel that as someone who struggled with chronic weight issues most of her life until, you know, she saw the light and was able to put the pieces together, exactly what you just said. I was so off key with my hunger cues, my ability to trust myself when I felt full because I'd been yo-yo dieting for so long. Right. So I'd go on these right. crazy diets for 30 days where it was like I could eat 700 calories. And then the next month I was trying something else. So my body was so off balance completely that I didn't really know what being full meant. And if right. it was okay to feel full, like, am I supposed to feel full? Cause I'm always feeling hungry on these diets. Or, you know, when I'm eating this really high fiber diet, my poop is liquid. And when I'm eating something else, it's a put like, there was no answers. There's no trust. There's no alignment. So can you help right. people find that alignment? Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the ways that I, that I try to get that alignment is to, is to come at it from a very different perspective. And it's a, it, it, it's sort of like a feel good first perspective. So a lot of the work that I do these days, even though I'm trained as a nutritional biochemist, the kind of work that I do is sometimes called nutritional psychology. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole discipline of nutritional psychology now that didn't exist when I was going to going to school 30 years ago. Um, and it, and it's this idea of, the same signals that will that will tell us to release fat, for example, are the are the kinds of signals that can help us feel better. They can help us with our mood or our mental focus or our resilience. And so very often I'll say to people, look, we're not even gonna think about the weight loss piece right now. What we're gonna figure is let's help you feel better. Let's improve yeah. your mood, let's improve your energy levels, let's improve your focus. And yeah, then people the go, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's and and the reason for that is that we can improve the signal, the mental wellness signals. We can improve those fairly quickly. You know, we can reduce stress and tension, and you know, sometimes the day we start, and people will go, "Oh, I'm feeling good. Like I feel I feel great. I haven't lost a pound yet. I haven't lost an inch yet, but I'm feeling good. So I'm going to trust in this process, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for a week. And then after a week, they might go, Ah, oh, maybe maybe my pants fit a little bit looser. And then after a month, they go, Oh my gosh. I lost, you know, X percent of my body fat, or I lost, you know, X pounds on the scale. And it really is that if we can get them to feel good first, they'll continue doing that approach, you know, whether it's, you know, time restricted eating, or it's including a little bit of protein in the morning, or it's like these little hacks that we do, they feel good. They yeah. keep doing that because they feel good. And all of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, why, why, why is my weight going in the right direction now? You know? I, and so that's, it's just, a, it's just a little nuance. I love that. And that's the first thing that I teach when I work with my clients is stop focusing uh, on the number on the scale because you're doing yourself a huge disservice. It's like having blinders right. on and then the frustration and you don't have all of the tools yet. You don't have all of the information yet. Right. 
So it's, we kind of have to heal our bodies from the inside out. And right, right. And, And, you know, and and the frustration I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, a hundred percent, but that's it. Like people, you know, I've been holding on to a hundred pounds or 50 pounds for 15 years and I just can't lose it. And I try, and then I lose the momentum because it's difficult or I plateau and all of these things. And it's like, if you stop focusing on the number on the scale and you focus on feeling good, how do you want to feel in your body? Let's yes. focus on that. You want to wake up feeling energetic. You don't want to have chronic pain anymore. You don't want to feel sluggish. Let's focus on that. Right, exactly. And, 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 and when we bring the psychology part of it in, when you're, when you're frustrated and you're stressed and you're you know, and you, and, and you have these trauma signals and you're not comfortable in your body. Like those are, those all generate signals that are inflammatory signals that are stress hormone signals that will actually block what you're trying to do in the first place. You know, so that's what I mean about this being a signaling problem. We can proactively change the signals sort of top down, you know, coming from what we're thinking in our brain, going to the rest of the body, but we can also change those signals bottom up how those signals are being generated in the first place at the level of the gut and permeating out through the rest of the body. And so if we come at it, you know, both ends at the same time from the brain and from the, and from the gut, what we call the second brain, that's where the magic really happens for people. Oh, I love that. The magic. So from your perspective, what has been one of the main contributors to this obesity crisis? There's more and more people overweight. And I know with COVID, I mean, I think the statistic was 42% of Americans have reported gaining at least 29 pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before that, it was an issue as well. So what's the yeah, main and it, contributing factor? Is there just one thing? No, I don't think it's one thing. And that's what, what that is, what is, is the big problem. It's, it's our world is, is basically designed to put us in a fat storage state. It's designed to make us gain weight. And so again, you can, you can look at it top down or, or bottom up. So if we look at it top down, it's our, it's our stress culture. It's, it's always on, it's being constantly busy. It's being bombarded with, with input all the time, social media and, you know, stressful news and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's causing a stress response. And we know that chronic stress leads to weight gain. So, so much so that when people carry weight around the midsection, we call it stress fat. Um, so, so that's one part of it. But the bottom up part of it is that our food is not the same food that we had 20 or 30 years ago. Um, the, you know, the processed food that we have, in fact, the ultra processed food is, is tailor made to be weight gaining food. You know, so it's, it's damaging our gut, it's changing our microbiome, it's changing those signals. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's both of those things and we need, to, we need to solve them simultaneously. We need to change what we're putting into our bodies, but we also need to change what we're putting into our brains in terms of our thoughts and our, and our mindset, which is, you know, which, is, which is exactly why I was excited to talk to you because that's the topic of your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. How do we collectively, you know, make a difference in terms of these manufacturers, the people who are fabricating these foods, because they're not really food anymore by the time they get to us and they're marketed specifically and geared to our kids or our teenagers or busy moms on the go and all of that crap. Whose responsibility is it at one point to say, hey, like this is putting a strain on our healthcare, the the world population is Mm is gaining weight. And yeah, that's, you know, and I'm, I'm not here to, to fat shame, but what I want to shed a light on is that 
trauma that lives inside of you when you are overweight, chronically overweight, right? Our confidence goes down. It, it impacts and right. every aspect of our lives. So now we're more, a more anxious society. We're a more depressed society. We have less energy. It, we're like zombies. Whose responsibility is it to kind of pull, pull the sheet off of that gimmick and say, hey, we have a responsibility to humanity? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's a, and it's a big question. Um, so, uh, gosh, when was this? Um, I don't know, 10 or so years ago, I, I produced a, a full-length, uh, feature-length documentary film called Killer at Large, looking at the obesity epidemic. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we asked that question, you know, who's, who's, whose responsibility is this? Is it, is it big agriculture? Is it the big food companies? Is it the individual? Is yeah. it the government? You know, who should, who should step up and, 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 and take choice? And I didn't want it to be like, you know, as soon as you start to say, oh, we should, we should put a tax on soda or something like that. You get people screaming about, you know, the nanny state and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I actually think that consumers if they start voting with their with their dollars and and stop buying the the bad foods, you know the ultra processed foods, those companies that make them will say, "Huh, these aren't selling as well as they were before. We need to do something differently." And what you what you're actually seeing in the marketplace is you're seeing some of those big junk food companies going out and buying some of the organic you know yeah. natural it's products easy. companies, you know, and 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 letting them run themselves. You know, they say. This is what consumers are. Well, this is what the clued-in consumers are buying. They know this is better for them. They know hey, when they eat this, they feel that. better. The, the yeah, and and, and like that alignment, I think if 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 the market sees that that's what people want more of, they're going to deliver more of that. I hope that's. I'm crossing my fingers for that. <laughs> but you don't know what you don't know, right? And that sounds like a very basic statement, but. If I don't know, I'm a busy mom on the go. I've, you know, I'm doing all of these things. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. reading the ingredient label. I'm thinking that the company who's selling these, you know, processed foods and chicken nuggets and cold cuts and all of these things, they have my best interest at heart. Like how could they possibly right. put something in there that's not right? So here in Canada on our, I think for the last, what, 10 years now on packages of cigarettes, they have. I, I'm not sure if it's like that for you guys as well, but they have really graphic images of like oral right, yes. and people dying, right? So we have to have warnings on, on tobacco, on alcohol, but why don't we have to have those same warnings on foods when there's clearly enough data to show us that eating these foods in excess is making us sick? Right, right, exactly. Well, it's interesting that you brought up tobacco because um, those same graphic images were they, they they tried to put them on the packaging here on the cigarette packaging here in the U.S. and you know the lobbying efforts you know quickly quickly made that made that effort die. But it's interesting that most of those tobacco companies are now some of the owners of the biggest junk food companies. You know they've bought you know the the biscos and the craft foods and et cetera. And they're using the same exact tactics that they use to get people addicted to cigarettes and nicotine. They're using the same exact tactics to get people addicted to sugar and junk foods. You know, so one of the things that really, really irks me about the whole processed food, packaged food space is, is the, is what I call health washing. You know, you'll see a processed sugary cereal that says now on the front of it says with probiotics, you know, no. or some nonsense like that. Know. So, a, you know, a, a busy no consumer who, who doesn't know any better goes, <laughs> oh, probiotics. I've heard that's good for me. I'm going to buy this sugar bomb of a cereal and that's mm-hmm. going to be good for me. And it's actually taking you down the wrong road. 
Oh, I know it's, it's so frustrating or made with Canadian wheat or high in fiber. You know what I mean? But when you're not mm-hmm. familiar with mm-hmm. all of the ingredients, it's like that amount of fiber is completely, you know, it's diluted with all of that. Right, right. Or made with whole grains and it just has a smidge of whole grains in it, you know? <laughs> but at what point do we have to make this education a little more sexier? Because, you know, it's, it all comes down to a choice. Here in Canada, you know, as I just said, there's graphic images on cigarettes. People who smoke, they're buying that package of cigarette. They're smoking their cigarettes. They're going on their merry way. They're taxed mm-hmm. more on those smokes. There's that graphic picture. They are making a choice. They are an informed consumer. So at what point is it our responsibility to say, okay, maybe with food, we need to make this a little sexier, a little more attractive. So people will actually start paying attention. And then of course, it's not expecting anyone to come save us, but say, now the consumer is really informed. They know what they're putting in their body. Our, our work is done here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I I'm probably not the best person to, to, to answer that question, but I I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when, you know, the produce section of the grocery store is, is a cool place to hang out. You know, <laughs> I want people to go in there. Like, you know, so, so I teach a college course and I encourage my students to do something that I call the 30 plant challenge. I say to them, go to the produce section of your grocery store and try to eat 30 different plants within a one week time frame. And it gets them to have a fun little challenge and they can post about it. You know, they usually, they don't post about it on the wider social media, but they post about it on our little, you know, our, 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 our chat rooms in the, in the class. And, and they, they start to like have a contest about it. You know, you know, they'll say like, you know, I ate this many plants this week, or I ate this plant that I've never heard of before. Does anybody know what kohlrabi is or something like that? (laughs) So it ends up making it, making it kind of fun and cool for the kids to, to, you know, to challenge each other. And And if that could, if that could spread a little bit, that'd be fun. Yeah. I love that. So what is, how do we bridge the gap between our brain number one and our brain number two, if we don't have a nutritional biochemist as a best friend or, you know, access to, to this kind of testing, what can we do at home to wake up tomorrow morning, get curious about what's misfiring, how to tune into those signals more? Is there anything we can do on our own? Yeah, yeah. The best, the best thing that people can do is just start eating more fruits and vegetables, and because that accomplishes two things, um, it gets you to eat more fiber, specifically more fiber that's going to nourish your microbiome, and it gets you to eat more phytonutrients. You know, so it, it, if we take an example like the thirty plant challenge that I just mentioned, what you're trying to do is eat a, a diversity of plants a diversity of colors, and that gives you a diversity of fibers and a diversity of phytonutrients, which is gonna grow a diverse microbiome. And the reason that that's important is because that diverse microbiome in your gut is now gonna be making more serotonin, so you're happier, more dopamine, so you're more motivated, more GABA, so that you can calm down when you're stressed out, and that change in your gut permeates out through the rest of your body. So now you're getting a gut benefit but you're also getting a mental wellness benefit at the same time. And so for, for years, this has just been sort of like a scientific concept, but we just did in our group, we just did a pilot program through the month of December. We had 70 something people who went through it. And that was the recommendation. We said, eat more fiber, eat a diversity of plants um, and see what happens. And we tracked them over time. Mood was improved. Stress levels came down. Mental focus was better. All the mental wellness mm-hmm. parameters, psychological mood state was better. And people, people lost about 5% of their body weight through the holidays 
and it Are wasn't even a weight loss program. Yeah, it was the coolest, coolest thing to see. And we had a we had a little private Facebook group, and people were sharing like, "Oh, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better." And then after about two weeks, people started saying, "Hey, is anybody else losing weight? Is anybody else having I better appetite? That. Is anybody mm-hmm. else cravings down?" And it was it was just a, I literally got goosebumps just now saying that because it was so fun to see oh, the I science being like real for people in their lives. Yeah. And I'm getting this image of like a botanical garden, you know, of treating our gut, like, you know, like a botanical garden. I'm not sure how to describe it, but the visual I have is that it's this very, you know, biodiverse environment and we have to care for it and nurture the soil and, you know, make sure that the pH levels of the water, so everything can live. 100%. It's a botanical garden. I love it. That's the perfect, perfect way to describe it. Oh, I love it. And so what are the long-term effects on our, our health if we continue down this path of not getting curious, you know, about bridging the gap between the, the gut and, and the brain brain? And do you think that we will continue to see a rise in obesity and sickness and all of these other uh, in, I, autoimmune diseases, inflammatory diseases? Oh, we absolutely will. Yeah. But this, this, this idea of these, you know, these ultra processed foods, starving our microbiome and, and, and leading to all these chronic health problems is, is, has been proven over and over and over again in the, in the science. But what I'm hopeful for is that, you know, what I just described, eating more of these brightly colored fruits and vegetables, changing that beautiful botanical garden into a, into a, you know, a more diverse place where you can nourish it. The science is really pointing us towards that will not only prevent those diseases, the diabetes and the heart disease and the cancers and the Alzheimer's, but it's even being associated with, with longevity benefits that if you can keep your microbiome diverse and vibrant and, and resilient, like we just described, that's going to be good for your longevity. So you'll live longer, but you also live better. And that's yeah. what I think will get people really excited. I think I saw something. I think it was Zach, Zach Efron, 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 who did that documentary. I'm not sure if you've you've seen Down to Earth and there's these blue zones in the world. So I'm wondering if their diet is is because they're treating their gut like a a beautiful botanical garden and why they're living so long and so happily. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And so some of the same principles with with a blue zone diet are the same principles with the Mediterranean diet, the same mm. principles with this 30 plant challenge. It's, it's, all, it's all coming together. And I, I, I really see like the more that we have these conversations, the more people understand about it, the more people put it into practice, the more people spread this information. And then it becomes, it becomes a real movement that can help a lot of people. Mm, I love it. So once you start to feel good on the inside, then you can start to move your body. And that's where those two worlds of fitness and diet kind of, you know, blend together perfectly. Precisely. I love it. So what are your top three tips for our listeners today on how to, you know, get motivated and get curious? We have got the 30 plants in one week idea. I love that. I think I'm going to try that myself, but what, what in terms of mindset can get someone excited from your point of view? Yeah. So, so from a mindset perspective, I, I, you know, I want people to, to kind of trust in the process, right? So if they, if they start eating more plants, they start eating more brightly colored plants, they're going to get the fiber and the phytonutrients. So that's the, that's sort of the first place. Then be, be in tune with your body. You know, how is this diet helping you 
feel better? How is it helping you with resilience? How is it helping you with your, with your sleep quality, which is probably the next big tip. Um, mm -hmm. If people can get better sleep quality, not necessarily more hours, but, but spending more time in REM sleep, which, which nourishes your brain, spend more time in deep sleep, which is, which is going to help your body rejuvenate. That is going to have dividends the next day with not just how you feel, but your overall metabolism. There's really, really good science to show that if you're sleep deprived, that will lead towards weight gain. So, so you know, eating the right diet is good. Having the right um, sleep uh, uh, quality is is important. And then when it comes to a to a like an exercise recommendation, I don't want people to you know again fall into this calories in, calories out kind of a thing. I think they need to be like killing themselves out there with their with their high intensity workouts. I just tell people to try to move their body a little bit every day, because mm -hmm. one of the things we're learning about this signaling idea is that if you move your muscles, your muscles will create their own signaling molecules that we call myokines. And those can go to the brain and improve how we feel. They can go to the pancreas and improve our insulin sensitivity. So it doesn't have to be intense exercise. It just it has to be some sort of a movement. And if you do those things consistently, good fiber intake, good sleep quality, good movement on a regular basis. Pretty soon you're a month down the road and you go, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to go back to where I was before. And yeah, that's what it's about. It's about feeling good and not feeling stuck in your body, not feeling like an yep. imposter, you know, having the, the confidence from the inside match the outside. I right. absolutely love that. Where can our listeners learn more about you, the work that you do, the documentary? I mean, I'm pretty interested in that. Yeah, so so my blog is always a good place to go to see what I'm up to. So it's just my name, seantalbot.com. Okay. Um, I've got a new book out called Mental Fitness that talks about all these kinds of things and how how we feel is linked to our metabolism and things like that. So they can check that out on Amazon or you know any place they want to buy a book. It's called Mental Fitness. Mental fitness. I love it. All of that will be in the show notes. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Just to, just for everyone to, 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 to think of, think of their, their, their whole body as this communication system. So what you put into it is going to generate either good signals or bad signals that those signals are going to be picked up on by your brain, which is a, which is a, which is a signal translator. And if you put in good food, you're going to get good signals. You're going to feel amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for having this chat with us today. I am grateful to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks everyone for listening.